0: Welcome to the Talk
1: Show for Talkers on IrishTalkers.com. Hello, Toastmasters, would be Toastmasters, listeners, and friends. You're very welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers on IrishTalkers.com. Our email address is info at IrishTalkers.com. You can find us on Facebook as the talk show for talkers. And we look forward to your comments, your questions, any feedback that you would wish to give to us. We look on those as evaluations. You can also listen to previous shows on our website, iristalkers.com. We also publish the Public Speaking Weekly. This is a roundup of links from the internet. It's all about Toastmasters, public speaking, confidence, leadership, etc. Look out for the newspaper link on our website. My name is Ted Melanfey and I'm joined again, delighted to say, this week by the prolific, passionate, personable Paul O'Malley.
0: Welcome listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. Looking forward to your company.
1: On this week, we will have our usual of what we have every week. I will be giving a thought for the week. Paul will come up with a word for the week. Paul will be giving us episode three. And on episode four, we might have something completely different for you. So you'll have to stick with us right through this weekend. And my thought for the week, Paul, is failure is not final. Failure is feedback. Failure is not final. Failure is feedback. And I don't know who gave us that gem of a quotation. Well,
0: it's a lovely piece of alliteration. That's one thing I will say. Three words beginning with the letter
1: F. Yeah, and there's even four words beginning with the letter F, but there's, there's, an, there's is not between them. There we are. So, failure is not final. Well, I should
0: hope not. Mm. I've had quite a lot of failures in my life, and I haven't yet met anybody who hasn't experienced failure And I'm looking forward to meeting somebody who hasn't experienced failure before I I leave life or whatever. So it's handy, I suppose, to hear the phrase, failure is not final. Failure is feedback is
1: an interesting way of thinking about failure, isn't it, Ted? I think it is superb. I think it is a lovely quotation, particularly when we're younger. If we fail in something, for instance, when we were in our teens and we were doing secondary schools, examinations the thought was that if you failed that that could be the end of your life you were never going to get anywhere you know what i mean if you look at it from the point of view that it's not fa- failure is not the end fa- Our failure is not final failure is feedback if you look at it from that perspective then it becomes a stepping stone to your future rather than a stone around your neck
0: of course a lot depends upon what you do with the feedback if you turn the feedback into something useful then it can be a springboard to success. Mm -hmm. If you turn the feedback into something that will hurt you and cause you to lose motivation and lose self-esteem, then the, the feedback is going to do you a lot of damage.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's it. So if you but if, if if you look at if you change feedback and final, look at two of those final is, is very final, if I may say that. But if you replace final with feedback, it completely changes the complexion of the, 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 the thought process.
0: That's good because that means that if you were speaking with people and you use that phrase, you would give them a little jolt, and that little jolt would capture their attention again if they were deviating with their attention it would bring them back to life if you like
1: Mm, you're right Mm.
0: now i i wonder if we played with it and said success is not is not final success is feedback success is not final once you've succeeded today there's no guarantee you're going to succeed tomorrow similarly if you fail
1: today it's not final you might succeed tomorrow true true I think as we get older, we we adopt different perspectives, don't we? Things that worried us when we were younger. No, we we don't let those things worry us anymore. It's a little bit like a quotation we used here on the show, and it went something like that. In our teens, we worried profusely about what people were saying about us. In our 20s, we were very conscious of what people might be saying about us. But when we reach our 50s and 60s, we realise that nobody is thinking or saying anything about us anyway.
0: <laughs> That's a terrible thing. I would hate to think that nobody is thinking of me and that nobody is caring about my well-being. I, I would absolutely I'd find that very difficult to deal with, Ted, if I thought
1: nobody was thinking about me. Yeah, but if you think about it now, Paul, if you listen to some of the conversations on television and we're talking about teenagers and the pressures that they have on them with regards to social media, In actual fact, a lot of those pressures are things that we have in our head ourselves because what we're thinking about, what people might be thinking is completely wrong.
0: Well, I'm still keen to find out what other people are thinking about me. And that's why I go around and when I meet people, I say to them, I'd be very interested to know what you think about me. Can we talk about me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all of my time desperately looking into other people's eyes and seeing whether there's love in other people's eyes or whether they're just glazed over
1: Well that's lovely that you look at it from that angle and I think you're correct in looking at it from that angle but when I just bring you back to the references I was making when we were teenagers and particularly social, no we didn't have that hazard around our time when we were teenagers, we didn't have social media to worry about about, but teenagers and younger people know they put so much emphasis on on what's been said on the different platforms about them, that it can be quite hurtful and it can be very damaging. And we know ourselves that some of the consequences of messages that are left on platforms like that has had a catastrophic effect on younger people in in, in particular. I'd love to have the, the angle that you have like that. You want to ask people, is there love? Do you love me? Whereas it's usually negative stuff that people are worried about, you know.
0: Well, you know what? There's a great debate to be had and it is going on all the time about social media and we won't have it today. No, there are, I have a daughter who's a teenager and there are certain aspects of social media which are really terrifically good. And I only wish yes. I had uh, social media at my disposal when I was a teenager. But look. I want to move on to our word of the week, if that's OK with you.
1: Oh, I've, got good, of course.
0: I've got a good word. And the word I have for you this week, listeners, is very useful when you find yourself in a situation where you feel really that you shouldn't get involved in the conversation about the issue. There are situations where you might have a conflict of interest. Let's say you were in Toastmasters. And somebody asks you to judge in a contest and you discover that one of the contestants is somebody who you really don't like, what should you do? I've got a word of what you should. You should recuse yourself. R-E-C-U-S-E. That means that you essentially, you excuse yourself from the role of being a judge. You say, I'm not the right person to judge this case. I'm not the right person to judge this speech because there are I have too much or too many feelings or too much experience with this individual that it wouldn't I I, I can't be certain that I'll be able to judge it fairly. So I recuse myself if, for example, you were a mentor of a person and somebody asked you if you would be a judge at a contest in which they were competing there's the word to use. I recuse myself. R-E-C-U-S-E. And it's something, of course, that the code of ethics for judges in Toastmasters covers. You're only meant to judge people fairly, and it's hardly right. For example, you should judge somebody whom you dislike. That's that's would be very unethical. So the word recuse, it could also be if you found yourself in a situation where you were in a business and a supplier was hoping to get a contract, but that supplier happened to be your brother-in-law and you were on the board that was going to decide which of the competing suppliers should be given the contract. Well, the, uh, the correct thing to do is to say, look, I, I shouldn't be party to this decision. And uh, you leave the other people on the board to make the decision. That's uh, what you do when you recuse yourself. Can also happen in if you're on a club committee, the leadership committee in a club and an issue comes up and you feel that you really have a vested interest in the situation that perhaps people don't know about. You simply say, look, for various reasons, don't even have to declare why. I'm going to recuse myself and you can all decide. So it's a a handy word for anybody who's involved in committees that are making decisions, isn't it, Ted?
1: It's a very handy word. And you gave a lovely explanation of it, Paul, to make it easier for us all to understand. But you used a particular word in there and you used it in a phrase. You said, I am going to recuse myself of this case. And you were speaking about judges, um, particularly judges and Toastmasters. What about judges from a legal perspective? If they felt that they might be compromised because of somebody, if if the case was to come before them, is that how they would put it? I yeah. have to recuse myself.
0: Yes, that's
1: it's a it, kind of illegal term. So I ask. exactly
0: it. That's exactly
1: okay. the word. It's
0: uh, it is to disqualify. The literally the definition is to disqualify oneself as okay. a judge in okay. a particular case. And it also means to remove yourself from a situation where there would be a conflict of interest or even can be used in a situation where the optics wouldn't be right. In other words, even though you feel that you can fairly be a judge, if you like, judge the situation, that it wouldn't look right to other people that uh, you, you were the judge, even though you could say, well, look, I'm not biased in either way it comes into where for example anything to do with your family if you're in a in a business or in an organization and a decision comes down which affects your uh, your family and there is a need to to make a decision it might even be a good thing to recuse yourself from a situation in which if a decision went against a member of your family your member of your family might have a conflict with you.
1: Of course. So it's no. the ethical thing to do so, Paul, from a person of, 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 of from a, a perspective of integrity, you're, you're doing it because you wouldn't like to have a conflict um, come out of something, of some decision that you may have been party to. I see, but yeah, it is a nice word, Paul, I like it. Yeah. It's a conflict or even an appearance of a conflict. Or even an appearance. And you will always get people on the sidelines who will make it into a conflict. That brings today's episode one to a nice conclusion. And we will be back with you tomorrow. We have a recording from the Toastmasters podcast and it's about fear of public speaking. So we'll see you then.